Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. For Denver and vicinity, partly cloudy with a chance of afternoon and evening showers and thunderstorms through Thursday. The low tonight and Wednesday night, 45 to 50. The high Wednesday and Thursday, around 80 degrees. The probability of measurable rainfall, 40% tonight, 30% Wednesday, and Wednesday night. At the KOA weather station in downtown Denver right now, the temperature is 67, 57, 57 degrees in downtown Denver. This has been the night report for Tuesday, May 27th. This is Dick McDaniel saying good night. Stay tuned for the CBS Radio Mystery Theater following immediately in our next news at 12 midnight. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... G. Marshall. Listen to what the poets say. Do you know that old age may come after you with grace and force and fascination? And now in age, I bud again. Yes, that's what they say. There is so much magnificent verse written that extols the virtues of old age. Unfortunately, much of it is sung by young poets. Hold it right there. We're police officers. Hey, you. Your name, Benny Serafin? What did he do? I didn't do nothing, Ma. I didn't do nothing. The police. Why are they after you with guns? I, I don't know, Ma. Turn that thing off. What are you doing to my son? Babe? I'm making sure he doesn't have a weapon. Okay, let's go, kid. Go? Where? Where are you taking him? Benny Serafin? You're being arrested for suspicion of murder committed during an armed robbery. Anything you say may be used against you. Our mystery drama, Talk to Me, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars John Beale and Paul Hecht. I'll be back shortly with Act One. yet to be the last of life for which the first was made. That is according to Mr. Robert Browning. And why not? After a lifetime of labor and responsibility, doesn't a man deserve to enjoy the fruits of old age? Well, he gets the fruits all right, but there's no guarantee that those fruits will be mellow or sweet or luscious. We're in a little supermarket or superette or convenience store in an urban neighborhood that has seen better days. Hey, Benny. Benny, enough of that, uh, that music, huh? What is this for crying out loud? One of them discos? Knock it off, I said. And go down to the cellar and bring up them potatoes. <laughs> 
I'm wearing my brand new jacket. So take off your brand new jacket. All right, I'm going. <sighs> it would seem, Mrs. Seraphim, that young people these days have eardrums made of stainless steel. Yeah. Huh. What do you got there? A hard roll and a container of milk. Apropos, I was reading in the paper just the other day. The roll's a dime. Uh, can you imagine? A roll used to be two cents. Milk, 61. And milk, you know, they used to have three different grades, A, B, and C. Now that's going to be 71 cents. And the grocer would actually ladle the grade C milk out of one of those huge cans. You'd have to bring your own pail to the store. You got 71 cents, mister. Oh, oh yes. And, and butter. Now, butter would be kept in one of those enormous tubs. Yeah, 71 out of one. Is your 29 cents change. And he'd have to carve out a quarter pound or a half pound or however big a piece you want. Who's next? You're next, lady. Would you like to operate that way? What I'd like is for you to get out of this lady's way because you're holding up the parade. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it is a hot day for this kind of work, isn't it? I've been living in this neighborhood, oh, years and years. I've, I've seen this street torn up and repaved. I've forgotten how many times. What are you fellas building for this morning, oil? <laughs> Mac, uh, you just want to stand out of the way, huh? Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, just in time for the mail. Say, it sure looks like a heavy load this morning. You know... I never cease to marvel over the way you fellas do that. How you pop those letters into the slot so fast. Now, my name's Marlowe. John J. Marlowe. But I'm not asking you to stop and look specially for me. I can wait my turn. Uh, you want to look out, huh? Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I was crowding you. I'll just stay back here against the wall. Uh, do they still use that Model A sorting machine in the post office these days? I used to work for the company that made them. Well, I didn't work for them exactly. I was with the accounting firm that did their books. I'm a CPA myself. But I always believed there were advantages in working for a big outfit. <laughs> well, say, you work for the biggest outfit in the country, don't you? I guess that's all the mail, huh? Well, have a good day, even though you didn't bring me anything. Say, do you mind if I ask you this? I know it sounds silly, but... Uh, are there people who blame you if they don't get a letter? It's a world full of creeps, mister. Well, see you around. Hello, this is Johnny Marlowe, Jr. Sorry I'm out, but just leave your name and phone number, and I'll get back to you the split second I return. Now, just wait for that beep, and then let it all hang out. Hi, Johnny. This is Dad. Nothing special. Just thought I'd buzz you out there and we'd shoot the breeze. Johnny, I know how busy you are and everything, but I wish you could find just a few minutes now and then to, uh, to talk to me sometime. Please. Johnny? This is Lieutenant Frank Stillwagon of your police department making this TV appeal to the people of the community. Last night, an old man, 
A watchman at the Simmons Warehouse at Brand Place and 9th Street was brutally gunned down. Now, if anyone has seen or heard anything or has any information at all whatsoever, please telephone this special number, 555-2211. Let me repeat that, 555-2211. Please call and talk to us. No matter how unimportant you think your information might be, we want to listen to you. Thank you. Five 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 two two one one five 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 two two one one Lieutenant Stillwagon here. Yes. Uh, uh, may I help you? Yeah, uh, I'm uh, calling this number about that murder. Yeah. I uh, I'd like to talk about it. Certainly. Uh, what is there you have to tell us? Well, um... Yeah? I, I am... Um, uh, sir, this is an important communications line. We have to keep it open. If you really have nothing to say, you'll have to hang up. But I do have something to say. I happen to have some uh, information. Oh, uh, what sort of information? Well, I... Uh, I think I saw the person who did it. What is your name, sir? Uh, my name is Marlowe. John J. Marlowe. Uh-huh, Mr. Marlowe. If you'll just give me your address. Uh, Mr. Marlowe, Lieutenant Stillwagon. Oh, please, come in. Uh, my credentials. Oh, I believe you. I recognize your voice. Uh, won't you sit down? Oh, here, at the table. Oh. I've uh, prepared some tea. Oh, would you rather have coffee? Uh, no, no, nothing for me, thank you. Uh, a drink, perhaps? No, never on duty. But you're a guest in my house. Uh, this isn't a social call, Mr. Marlowe. Uh, I do have your name right, don't I? John J. Marlowe? Yes, John Jacob Marlowe. I was named after my grandfather. He was a member of the police department. Was he? Yes, back when Theodore Roosevelt was commissioner. Um, is it generally known today that Theodore Roosevelt was once the police commissioner of New York City? Uh, I couldn't say. Oh, when Teddy became president... Grandfather Marlowe joined his personal staff. Now, Mr. Marlowe, you said you saw the person that murdered the night watchman. Oh, well, I... I, uh, I said I thought I saw him. That means you had to be in the vicinity of Brand Place and 9th Street at approximately 11 p.m. last night? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, may I ask why you were there? Well, I, I was out for a walk. At that hour? Well, if you can't sleep, you might as well go out for a stroll. You'd be surprised how little sleep you need when you get old. You enter another world. Uh, yeah, Mr. Morrow. A world that no young person could ever hope to understand. You have to live there yourself. And Mr. Marlowe, what did you see? What did I see? Uh, I was passing by the, the, the front of the Simmons Warehouse. On 9th Street. Yeah, go on. And uh, I, I saw a young man. He must have been running up from Brand Place. Yeah, the break-in was on the Brand Place side. Uh, where'd he go? Where? Uh, he, he just kept going up Brand Place. And how far were you from the corner of Brand at night? How far? Oh, maybe 30 or 40 feet. Did the person see you? Oh, I, I don't think so. He was too busy running. Had you heard a shot? Well, I may have. 
but I'm not sure. Uh, Mr. Marlowe, you were 30 to 40 feet from the corner. Now, it was a dark night without a moon. Uh, how could you tell he was a young man? Well, I got to look at him as, as he passed under the street lamp. I could see he was young. Somewhere about 20. Not very tall. Perhaps five feet six. Uh-huh. Anything else? Yes. I could see a scar on his cheek. Yeah, that would have to be on his left cheek. Yes. And he had black hair. Long. Came down on his shoulders. Uh, how was he dressed? Well, he was wearing jeans. And a red and white jacket. Okay, Mr. Marlowe, this is very good, very good, excellent. Oh, let me see if I can remember something more. Well, if you do, uh, just give us a call, huh? Thank you. Uh, must you go? Oh, Tom, uh, forget the rest of the files. I just came across a mug shot of the suspect we want. Name's Benny Serafin. Place to look for him is probably over at his old lady's grocery store on 10th. Get Harry, we'll pick him up. Lady, I'm looking... Hey, you there, please. Hold up. Please, don't shoot. Uh, we're police officers. Police? What do you want? You keep your hands where I can see them. Your name, Benny Serafin? What did he do? I didn't do nothing, Ma. I didn't do nothing. It's police. Why are they after you with guns? I don't know, Ma. Turn that thing off. No. What did you do? Nothing, Ma, I swear. Check him out, Tom. Hey, what are you doing to my son? Clean, huh? He must have gotten rid of the weapon. Get rid of what? All right, kid, let's go. Go? Go where? Where are you taking him? Benny Serafin, you are being arrested on suspicion of murder committed during an armed robbery. Anything you say may be used against you. Where were you last night, Benny? Around 11? I was out walking. Yeah, that's right. In the neighborhood of Brand Place and Ninth. I was nowhere near it. I was uptown. Doing what? Rolling drunks? No. Oh, oh, excuse me. I guess you never rolled a drunk in your life, huh? Did you? Yeah, just once. And I paid for it, didn't I? Oh, you're stepping up in class, Benny. Armed robbery. No. And you sure bungled it, huh? You thought you could get him to open the safe, but you panicked and shot him. So all you could get was his wallet. I didn't do it. And all he had was 60 bucks. How do we know, Benny? His wife told us. You are so dumb, you know, you didn't even have enough brains to throw the wallet away. It was in your pocket when we picked you up with the 60 bucks. Let me tell you about the wallet. It's about, I don't know, three in the morning. I'm just walking down the street. I... I see this wallet laying on a sidewalk. It's a real leather wallet. So I... I decide to keep it. You want me to believe the killer threw the wallet away, and you just happened to find it. It's true. With the money inside. The money's mine. Now, where would you get 60 bucks, Benny? You're not working. I... I got it from the cash register in my mother's store. You mean you swiped it? So I swiped it, but I was nowhere near that warehouse last night. Benny, we got a witness. You can't have a witness. How could there be a witness? How could somebody have seen me if I wasn't there? You were there, Benny. You were there. On the one hand, we have the testimony of Mr. John J. Marlowe elderly, respectable gentleman. On the other, 
the claims of young Mr. Benny Serafin, whose character could scarcely be described as beyond reproach. However, if you have been listening closely, you know already which of them is telling the truth. And your knowledge shall be further tested in Act Two. sends us nothing but riddles and contradictions which exist side by side. So said Fedor Dostoevsky, and since this is a story of crime and most likely punishment, we can turn to no wiser authority. So here we have the accusation and the denial. Each may be true. Each may be false. How can this be? Listen. Consider. Mama! So, here you are, Benny, in jail. Please, Mama. Oh, it's a good thing your father's dead. You have to talk about it. Didn't I say it? Didn't I say you'd sit in jail one day? Mama, I'm being framed. Can't you understand? Why? Why'd they pick on you? Because I'm the toughest guy on the block. So? Who told you to be the toughest? You gotta be tough, Mama. Otherwise, they walk all over you. Benny, I want to know one thing. No matter how bad it is, I want to know the truth. Mama, I didn't do it. You can't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Look in my eyes, Benny. Now, tell me. I didn't do it. You didn't do it, huh? So how come they found the wallet? The watchman's wallet in your pocket? Mama, I tried to explain. Don't explain. Just tell the truth. It is the truth. And the witness, huh? They got a witness. Seen you done it. Hey, officer. Come over here. Let me out. Mama, don't go. Please. What am I going to stay here for? Hey, Mama, come back. Mama, come I'll back. Come back when you're going to tell me the truth. Lieutenant, I'm... I'm being framed. Come on, Benny. Lieutenant, I, I may have stepped out of line once or twice, maybe. Once or twice? Okay, but... I, I, I could never kill nobody. Yeah, there's always a first time. I know it looks bad, but I... I ain't a killer. You gotta believe me. Benny, your own mother doesn't believe you. Isn't this just a glorious morning? Oh, is the soup 42 cents? Oh, goodness, it goes up by the day, doesn't it? When they had that inflation in Germany during the 20s, right after the First War, people used to paper the walls with the currency. Eight. It's 8.37. Well, such a little bit? What'd I buy? Oh, temporal moris. That's Latin. It means old times, old custom. Oh, shut up. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Seraphin. I'm sorry. Oh. Madre de Dios. Oh, please. Don't cry. Oh, you mustn't cry like that. Was it something I just said? Uh, oh, tell me. What's wrong? My son. Yes? My my only son, he... What did he do, Mrs. Serafin? He... He just broke my heart. Oh, is that all? Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Serafin. Excuse me. I, I, I didn't mean to joke. It's just that... Well, I also have a son. 
an only son. And he broke my heart, too. A long time ago. But you get over it. No. Uh, no, you never get over it. But what's to be done? Perhaps they were born to break our hearts. What did I ever do to him? I don't know. Well, I know what I did to mine. I was a failure in his eyes. A man who never stood up on his own. I spent my life working for lesser men. But it was the only way I could be sure that he and his mother would be decently taken care of. Shouldn't that count for something? Oh, I, I am sorry. I I have no business to bother a customer. Oh, it's perfectly all right. You don't come to hear my troubles. Well, let me help you. Oh, how, how can you help me? Well, someone with a fresh perspective. Just talk to me. I promise I'll listen. Just talk to me. My son... He's a bad boy. Yes, but not a real bad boy. You understand? Certainly. I say to him, you go to school. What kind of job can you get if you don't go to school? Why is it so hard to make them see it? He laughs at me. So now he, he's 24 years old. What's he going to do? Nothing. Get into trouble. He steals. He fights. But one thing he don't do. He don't lie to his mama. Till now, till just now, the police, they say he killed a man. Your son? Tell me the truth, I ask him. I'm innocent, Mama, he says. I'm innocent. Well, isn't he? How? The police have evidence and a witness. Oh. A witness. A man who seen my son on the street that night. And so, my son lies. Well, perhaps the witness might be mistaken. How? He's on the street, on Brand Place and Ninth. What? And, and he sees Benny come running from the warehouse. And he sees everything. He sees Benny's face with the scar and... and the witness described your son? This alleged witness actually described your son, Benny? And now I know. My son is a liar and a murderer. No. No. He's not. What's the use? Mrs. Seraphin, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to. I, I better close this door for a while. Lie down. Listen to me. I didn't mean to describe your son. I'll have to go to the police station right now. What, what are you talking about? I'm the person who... I'm the witness. You? I didn't know it was your son. I never would have... Well, I'll have to tell him I was wrong. I didn't see anyone that night. I'll say so. You... I, I see you come in here, an old man. I never stop to talk to you. I'm so busy and tired and... Oh, you are such a good person with such a kind heart. I didn't mean to implicate your son. What could you do? An honest man like you, keep quiet. Well, I was only... I only wanted some... No, I'll tell them the truth. It's all a lie. I wasn't even there. Oh. You think now you're going to make it look like you was crazy. No. Don't do this to yourself. The net result of what you're saying then is this. You called a special number and you told a deliberate falsehood. Yes, Lieutenant. Why? I was lonely. Oh, I see. You were lonesome. No, that's not what I said. I said I was lonely. There's a difference? May you never know it. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I had to have somebody to talk to. You mean in this whole city, nine, ten million people, you can't find a single person to talk to? That's right. I find that hard to believe. Why? One morning, Lieutenant, you wake up and you look around you and you say to yourself, where did everybody go? You've outlived your friends. You've outlasted your enemies. And you've, you've overstayed your welcome. So, you called up just to have someone to talk to, huh? Yes, sir. You realize that such an act is against the law, deliberately misleading the police. I can see that. Fortunately for you, it isn't true. What isn't true? I don't believe a word you're saying. Lieutenant, I've told you the truth. You see, there's one thing about people. Whether they're honest or crooked, they're true to their nature. You've been a law-abiding citizen all your life. People like you don't lie to the police. Why is it so hard for you to understand? You don't lie to us because we represent the safe, the reasonable society that you believe in. Now, when your boy was growing up, didn't you always say to him, Son, if you're ever lost or in trouble, you go to the nearest policeman, he's your friend? Yes. Yes, I remember. It isn't in you to lie to me. But I wasn't there. I made it up. If you weren't there, how could you describe him so accurately? Well, how? I, I don't know. You were there. How? Why? That neighborhood, late at night. I'm afraid to go there in the daytime. What would I be doing in that place? I don't know. I had no reason. No reason that you can remember. I'll have you know that my memory is as good as it ever was. Well, almost. Maybe you don't want to remember. Maybe you've convinced yourself that you really weren't there. And that you didn't see anyone. And now you believe that. You came to my house. I lied to you. Now I'm telling the truth. All I wanted was attention, just some human contact, even for a brief moment. And you refuse to understand it. Oh, no, I understand, I understand. She got to you. Who got to me? His mother. She's an attractive lady. What are you implying? A good figure of a woman. Man to man, Mr. Marlowe. How can you make such, such an accusation? <laughs> accusation? I guess when you were younger, you'd have considered that a compliment. I consider that an insult. Still an all. You have no right to humiliate me in this manner. If if my son were here... Mr. Marlowe, it's easy to see, and it's understandable. You're an old man. You're alone in the world. Don't you dare say that. I'm not a public charge. I was a man of substance in my time. I'm a certified public accountant. I taught economics at the state university. Well, it was only the night extension course, but still, I I own my own home. I'm a veteran of two world wars. Yes, Mr. Marlowe, but the fact is, a nice woman, a very kind and loving woman, because she is all of those things, offers to be your friend. She made no such offer. And so you decided to change your story. I was not out on the street that night. How do you know? How do I know? Yeah, you reach a certain age, Mr. Marlowe. Your memory can play tricks. I didn't see him. Please believe me, I, I didn't see him. Then why? I mean, how could you give us such an, such an accurate description? Why? How? Yeah. Wait. Now I know. Now I know why I described him. Him of all people, Benny Seraphin. 
If he knows why, then he knows something we don't know. We need. Perhaps we do know. The reason, the impetus, the motivation was all there to be seen. Or I should say to be heard. If you know what to look for, it's right out there in the open. But enough of this cryptic commentary. I'll return shortly with Act Three. Gossamer strands of memory, how lightly they imprison our thoughts, how easily broken and blown away. And yet, if we would recapture the past, we must strive to reweave them and somehow create the same pattern. But is it ever precisely exactly the same? Is close enough good enough? <laughs> No, that one isn't it either. Mr. Marlowe, I can't kill an afternoon in a record shop listening. Just a few more, please. Nor is that the one. Oh, I'd know it the moment I heard it. What are we doing? It'll come to me. What's going to come to you? We had had a certain kind of rhythm. Now, look, Mr. Marlowe, I'm trying to humor you. Please don't say that. Just listen. Why do I have to? This one. This is it. What? This music will prove my point. What point? Listen. Well, I can't. I can't. I'll make it lower. It's very strong, dramatic. That sort of rhythm makes a very vivid impression. Yeah. Well, doesn't it? So? That morning, I was in his mother's store, and this music was playing. It was extremely loud. Mr. Marlowe, I can't see what you're driving at. Actually, it was very annoying, distracting. So what else is new? His mother was angry. She shouted at him. That's when I saw him for the first time. He was leaning against some shelves in the rear of the store. And this loud music was coming from one of those big transistor radios. What are you getting at, Mr. Marlowe? I almost became physically ill. Because she was angry and he was angry. And this music was blaring. And I, I suppose it all seared itself on my memory. Yeah, now, please, Mr. Marlowe. Now, you're a police officer. Surely you're aware that there can be an atmosphere of violence. And it was there. I saw his face with the, this ragged scar, the long black hair, and the stark white against the blood red of his jacket. Okay, okay, Mr. Marlowe. hear me out. That moment, the picture of him burned itself into my mind, perhaps my uh, subconscious mind. And then it passed. I didn't think anything at all about it. Okay, okay, I take your word for it. And then I heard your appeal being broadcast. I... I needed someone to talk with. But I could only talk to you if I had information about the killer. And then that song came back into my head. And the picture of a long-haired, scar-faced boy in a red and white jacket flashed through my mind. I no longer knew who he was. But he was someone I could talk about. I see. I no longer associated him with a real person. I believed he was a figment of my imagination. Yeah. You don't believe it. Lieutenant? What I'm saying happens to be psychologically valid. Sure. 
And that's the true story. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. It certainly does. I intend to withdraw my statement. Well, I suppose you can do that, if you like. And if it comes down to it, I can always say that I'm not really sure. I couldn't swear to the identification under oath. All right. You don't have a case against the boy. Oh, yes, we do. We don't need your identification anymore. Why not? Because we have the wallet with the $60. Your call to us served to direct our attention towards certain specific faces in our files. And once we knew enough to pick up Benny Serafin, the case just laid itself out. But he's innocent. Then how does he account for the wallet? Well, I made the whole thing up. You refuse to believe me. Yeah, well, even if I did, you know what they say, truth is stranger than fiction. Oh, Lieutenant. Mr. Marlowe, are you okay? I... I don't know. I don't know. Are you feeling sick or something? Is it possible that I'm becoming senile? Did I really go for a walk that night and not remember? What am I going to do, Lieutenant? Look, why don't I give you a lift home? You can take a little nap. As if that would settle everything. No. There's one way I can find out. Do you suppose you could take me to the jail? So what do you want? I want to help you. Haven't you helped me enough? Well, maybe you can help me. Why should I? Please. What do you want from me? Were you there? Well, didn't you say I was there? Well, never mind what I said. I have to know. I must know for sure. Look, I don't have to put up with this. I got rights. I don't have to stand for some crazy old guy coming into my cell. A crazy old guy. I've lived to hear it. What are you going to do, bust out crying? Probably. What do you want from me? It ain't my fault you got old. Well, it isn't my fault either. Please, tell me. It's so important to me. If you were there that night, then I was there too. And I never knew it. But if you weren't, then I wasn't there either. And I only saw you in my subconscious. What does all that mean? Please, just, just tell me the truth. My life, or whatever little is left of it, depends on it. Okay. I was there. You were? But not when you said. Not 11 o'clock at night. Four in the morning. A long time after it happened. I, I, I was coming home. I took a shortcut to a brand place. There it is, laying on the sidewalk. This great-looking wallet. Just like I told the cops. And... And that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> For all the good it's going to do me. I believe you. Yeah, with that and a token, I can get a ride on a subway. No, I'll never get out of here. I'll never ride on a subway again in my life. I, <laughs> I never thought I'd miss it. I remember when they built part of the subway. Manhattan Island is practically solid rock, you know. It was the engineering marvel of the age. Don't start that stuff, huh? But you're telling the truth. Who's going to believe it? A good lawyer can make people believe it. What sort of lawyer do you have? What do you think? Oh, sure, his lawyers could beat this rap for me, but my old lady don't have a million bucks. So you know what I get? A lawyer appointed by the court. Now, you know who he turns out to be? Some old hack who knows nothing, or some young guy just out of school who has to learn everything. Uh, we'll just have to do something about that. Yeah, like what? Get you a good lawyer. You got the dough? 
I, I don't have very much money. Uh, so what are we talking about? I'm the one who got you into this. I'll have to get you out somehow. Yeah, sure. I'm a CPA, but I always worked for a large firm. Is that a fact? It caused tension between my wife and son on the one hand and me on the other. But Are you for real? They didn't respect me. But a man has to follow his own inclination. Now, the point to all this oh, is... Oh, there's a point. My old company retained a law firm, top people, and the senior partner owes me a favor. I haven't spoken to him in years, but he'll remember. You'll have the best legal counsel in town. You know, Pop... You look kind of tired. Why don't you go home and uh, take a nap, huh? May I help you? Uh, I see by the plaque that your name is Miss Rawlings, huh? Yes. Well, you must be new here. Oh, I should hope not. It's been 13 years. 13 years? Mm -hmm. Has it been that long since I was here last Yes, I, I retired 14 years ago. Well, what what may I do for you, sir? Oh, my name is Marlowe, John J. Marlowe. Is J.R. here? I don't have an appointment, but we never stood on ceremony. Oh, I beg your pardon, sir, but uh, whom did you wish to see? J.R. Oh, well, well, look, this is J.R. Stebbins and Associates, isn't it? Oh, old Mr. Stebbins. He's no longer with us. Say, what that old card you do, retire? He swore he'd die at his desk. He did. What? Oh, I'm sorry. It's at least uh, oh, eight, nine years ago. J.R. He's dead, huh? Yes, well, did you wish to see someone else? Someone else? Uh, I, I don't know. It's just that I was counting on... Oh, maybe Bill Runciman. Oh, Mr. Runciman is no longer with the firm... He sold his interest and moved. I, I think he's in Florida. Most of the older partners retired. Would you care to see Mr. Slade? Uh, I don't know him. Mr. Stein? Uh, Mr. Arliss? Mr. Torrance? Uh, I don't know any of them. Oh, I suppose you could say it's an entirely new firm. Yes. Yes. Sir, are you all right? What? Oh. Oh, well, well, thank you very much for your courtesy. Hello there, this is Johnny Marlowe, Jr. Sorry I'm out, but I'm glad you called. So, you just leave your name and your phone number and whatever's on your mind, and I'll get back to you the split second I return. Just wait for that beep and then let it all hang out. Johnny, this is your dad. I just called you to let you know that I... that I should have a new address very soon. You were right, I guess. When you're old and you live alone by yourself, you can do all sorts of crazy things. Could you call me next Sunday? I'll stay home and wait. <sighs> oh, uh, Mr. Marlowe, mind if I come in? All right. 
What's it all about, Lieutenant? Yeah, what's it about? That's a good question. Um, see, uh, you suppose we could figure out the answer uh, over a cup of tea? Oh, certainly. I always have a pot on the stove. Won't you sit down? Yeah, thanks. I have some cookies also. Would you like some? Uh, sure, sure. Oh, very nice, very nice. Oh, uh, that uh, warehouse holdup, uh, Mr. Marlowe, and the murder, uh, you know how that kind of thing gets solved? If at all. <laughs> you know how we catch that type of killer? If we ever do. Oh, oh wait. Haven't you been saying that you've already got the guilty party? Many, sir? Yeah, well, no. Seems that the guilty party is a fellow named Eddie Smith. I don't follow you, Lieutenant. Eddie Smith is a punk, a hoodlum, a drug addict. I don't know which comes first. But the way you catch the Eddie Smiths of this world, usually, is when some other punk or hoodlum informs on him in order to buy himself a deal with the police. Or a jealous woman, which is what just happened here. Then Benny Seraphin is innocent. Yeah, Benny Seraphin is back on the streets, and I hope he learned a lesson. You're a man of the world, Mr. Marlowe. What do you think? Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Well, Eddie Smith killed and robbed that night watchman. But he's been two-timing his girlfriend, and so, to get even, she turned him in. And we got him with a gun. I knew. I knew in my heart Benny was telling me the truth. And I'm not crazy. No, definitely not. <laughs> One lump or two. Uh, no, uh, just a touch of milk, Mr. Marlowe. Thanks. You know, I refuse to believe that a man would deliberately make up a story like you did just because he was lonely and needed someone to talk to. Why did you refuse to believe it? Well, I suppose because I didn't want to. Maybe I couldn't afford to believe it. I didn't want to face the, uh, the implications. Do you believe it now? Hmm. You know, Mr. Marlowe, you're a very interesting gentleman. You really mean that? You have a great fund of information. Experience. You don't suppose I could uh, drop around now and then for a, for a cup of tea? Why, certainly, Lieutenant. I'm at home to callers every afternoon. <laughs> at home to callers. Yeah, that's how my grandmother used to talk. <laughs> Dad, tell me, tell me about your grandfather... You know, the one who was on the force when uh, Teddy Roosevelt was police commissioner? These days, so many of us measure our efforts to help people purely in terms of money spent. But so very often, the most Effective help can be unbelievably inexpensive. Talk. Talk, they say, is cheap. If that's true, why are we so stingy with it? Especially to those who need it. I may have an answer in just a few minutes.
so much talk of the waste of energy and natural assets. But there are human assets that are also being disregarded. You see them everywhere. Sitting on park benches, walking slowly through the streets. The elderly people. The retired people. The people with nothing to do, nowhere to go. And we think of them as being used up, washed up, finished. But inside them is so much knowledge, wisdom, experience. Somehow we must find a way to use it, enjoy it, be enriched by it. Our cast included John Beale, Paul Hecht, Bryna Rayburn, and Jack Grimes. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Lang is too busy breathing. But his acid-throwing boy is going to be very, very upset when he hears that I'll soon be able to make visual identification. But, Joe, you won't be. He won't know that. Nobody will. Not even my own family. Only you and me, Rick. Now, look, Joe. I'm going to send the news out to all the papers and, and the TV reporters. And how I'm looking forward to the opportunity of seeing a mug book and identifying the guy who threw that stuff at me and my wife. And you know what he'll do, don't you, Joe? He'll try to knock you over before the operation. Yeah. Yeah, he probably will. You think you can trap this guy by setting yourself up as a target, huh? A game of blind man's bluff, huh? That's the game, Ray. And I don't intend to lose. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.